0: Bible in its entirety is about God wanting to be a father, all right? If you lose that position in the Bible, you will lose your understanding of Scripture. Where most people are messed up in regards to Scripture is that they read the Bible, but they don't have a foundation. And so if I read a book, the book has a purpose, am I right? Okay, every book has a purpose to it. If you don't read that book with the right understanding, then you won't have understanding of the very book you're reading, all right? And when it comes to the Bible, God wants to be a father. He is not interested in being God because he was God before he created the foundation of the world. He was God before he created mankind. He was God before earth existed. So the foundation of your thinking And your foundation of reading and studying Scripture has to come from the foundation of fatherhood. So fatherhood is the foundation in which he established the world. So from the foundation of the world, he established the foundation as fatherhood. He wanted to be a father. And so we build, the Scriptures are built on that foundation of fatherhood. The church is built on the foundation of sonship. And the reason why is because Adam lost sonship. If, when uh, uh, the Father created Adam in his image according to his likeness, if he had not sinned or failed, we would have just been uh, fathered. We would have just been fathered by God. That was his plan. But when Adam fell, then now all of a sudden we have the Old Testament. All right. The Old Testament only exists because Adam fell. If Adam doesn't fall, the Old Testament doesn't even exist. Matter of fact, the New Testament doesn't exist because we don't need redemption. And so because of because Adam fell. Now, when what Jesus came to bring us back is that relationship, Jesus came to give us that relationship. So now the foundation of the church is built on sonship. It is built on sonship. Our first scripture uh, for today, turn me down a little bit. Amen. Um, our first scripture is going to come from Hebrew, the book of Hebrew, chapter 3, verses four, verse 4. And it says, for every house... Is built by someone but the builder of all things is God now I'm the reason why I'm showing you that scripture because I just told you that the foundation of scripture is fatherhood all right now in order for you to build anything you must first have a foundation do we agree on that we must first have a foundation you make no plans to build I mean, you can make plans to build, but first you have to build a foundation before you build. So it lets us know that every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So the father built this family, but he built it on a foundation. Now, in between a foundation and building, there has to be a design. There has to be a design. In 2016, we had a home built. They didn't just go build a foundation and said, okay, you want us to sit a house on this? No, we designed the house and they built the foundation according to the design. Because you don't want to build a mansion on the foundation of a one-bedroom house. (laughs) So everything has to have, if it has a foundation, it has to have a design. No foundation, no design, no foundation, there's nothing to build on. And so we talked about last week about, you know, just even in society, if you look at uh, the black, just the black culture, just our culture in general, you will see that 74% of our black homes are without fathers. That That is the doing of Satan. Satan loves to come in, destroy the household because he knows where the father is absent, there can be no growth. Or the growth is inadequate. And so it's been even the same way in the church. The father has been removed from the church. And instead, we have a whole bunch of programs. We have a whole bunch of bishops, a whole bunch of overseers. And now we've limited the church to pastoral. People only go to a church based on the pastor. That's my pastor. What's your pastor teaching? The foundation of his teaching is what should keep you coming. When Jesus made, Jesus made one comment, he had 72 disciples. After making that one comment, 60 of them left. 12 was left. Jesus turned to him and said, are you going to leave too? Why would he say that? Because he knew his foundation. He knew the foundation. Peter looked at him and said, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that's how teaching should do. When you come and you hear teaching, it should bring life to your soul. If I came in here every Sunday and just talked about your problems, (laughs) the only way you keep showing up is if you're in bondage. You have to be addicted to pain for you to come every Sunday and just hear me tell you how bad you are. But that's why they, people will say that. But then on the other end, what they'll do is they'll throw hell in. So hell is supposed to scare you to come back and constantly listen to me. Why? Because I have no foundation. And so we've downgraded the church to that. But like I told you last week, this is a university. You come here because you want to grow. You listen to that podcast because you want to grow. Why? Because, watch this, this university reveals the foundation to help you build on. And the thing I want to make you aware of is this, because you are God's children, you are supernatural children. You're supernatural. You have to believe that. So truth be told, all you need Zay, is the foundation of anything and the Holy Spirit can build on that. Anything you want to learn, all you got to do is get the fundamentals and the Holy Spirit can help build on that. That's why the Holy Spirit is your helper. But if you don't read and get the foundation of it, it can't help you. The Holy Spirit will help you build. But if you don't have enough diligence to study yourself, what do you have to build on? The Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring all things back to your remembrance. What does that mean? You have to impart something into yourself. You have to read something. You have to go through situations and circumstances so it can bring it back to your remembrance. Remembrance means, meaning that you already had this in your mind. You're aware of this. The Holy Spirit is not going to just make you aware of everything. I know we want to think that. That the Holy Spirit is just going to download uh, um, plans to build a multi, multi-billion dollar business. No. It's going to start with you studying business, learning something, and then the Holy Spirit will help you go from there. Amen? Y'all must have been talking about that. Alright. guess I'm in the spirit. And so, what we have to do is take on a mindset that we have to learn. Alright? We have to do what? Learn. Jesus said, learn of me. Learn of me. If he says, learn of me, that means I'm teaching. Learn of me. Because I am meek and I am lowly of heart. All you have to do is watch me and you will learn. So we have to learn. If you're not learning, you're not maturing. I told you, you you get this conversation all the time, especially when you have... Children, you know, growing up and they hit 18, 18 through 20, I'm grown. No, grown means mature. I can't stand when I hear people say that, especially when it comes to using profanity. I'm grown. I say what I want. No, grown means this. I set the standard for everybody below me. If you don't set the standard for everybody below you, you're not grown. You're still immature. Immature. And so we have, and so if you're not learning, you're not growing, you're not becoming. And so that's the ultimate question. You have to ask yourself every single day of your life, what am I becoming spiritually and physically? What are you pursuing right now physically that you plan on taking? And this is mine. I'm on the way to achieving this. It has to be something. If it's nothing, that means you're not learning. That means you're not studying. That means you're not growing in in certain areas of your life. Amen? All right. And so uh, this is part two of this message. Uh, And I told you last week we had six points. And our first point was being born again. All right. Um, Before, you have to enter into the family of God. All right. Once you have entered into the family of God you are born again. Now it is time to take hold of that relationship, learn of that relationship, and grow. Then the next one was, we hear that we are children. A lot of people have been born again, but do not have an understanding that they are children. It has never been taught to them that they are children. It's been taught to them that they are church members, that they are sinners, that they are saints, that they are servants. That hell is a possibility, that heaven is a possibility, but that's not what you need to hear. You need to hear that you are a child. You have to hear that you are a child, and then the next thing you have to do is accept that you are a child. That's, hard, that's the hardest thing to do, especially when you're transitioning. Well, I don't want to say that's not a good word, but when you're, you have the natural side, then you have the spiritual side. And on the natural side, you can be fully grown. You can have your own house, your own car, your own business. You can own, you can own the Atlanta Falcons. But be an immature and a baby in the spirit. And so we, have, we can't look at our natural accomplishments to try to make us feel like that, we, that we're somewhere in the spirit. Your natural mean, accomplishments mean absolutely nothing over here in the spirit realm. That's why when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he asked him, he was breaking out all these spiritual truths to him, and say, he, said, he said, how are all these things so? The next thing Jesus said to him, how are you a teacher of the Jews? So you mean to tell me you're the ruler of the Jews, you're the bishop, but you don't understand how spiritual things work? Then he said to him, if I tell you of spiritual things, of earthly things that you don't understand, That how are you going to understand spiritual things? Because he just simply asked him, he just told him, you have to be born again. The the bishop said, should I enter into my mother's womb again? You a killer (laughs) if you do. So your, your education on this side, it'll help. But it really does you no good if you don't understand spiritual things. That's why the Bible said that the natural man does not understand things of the spirit. They're impossible to discern. And so we're going to pick up at our, our third point. Our fourth point is, in which we're going to pick up, start right now, is um, we have to now, after we have accepted that we are his children, we have to accept that we have a father. All right. We have to accept that we have a father. Once you have accepted, you hear that you are a child, you accept that you are a child, now you have to accept the fact that you have a father. In accepting the fact that you have a father, that means the father is going to mature you, and you are not going to mature yourself. Amen? And so, in dealing with the thing about a father, you have to look at that relationship. And it's two sides of a same coin. Okay, we have a quarter. And let's just say that quarter represents the relationship. It represents you being in Christ. But in that, with that quarter, you have two different sides. And at all times, you are dealing with both sides of, the, of this coin. The first side is that you have been born again. And because you have been born again, you do not understand the kingdom. How many of you think you understand the kingdom 100%? 90 80, 70, 60, 50. All right. You don't understand the kingdom. That was the benefit that Jesus had on us. Jesus said, he said, he's the only one that has descended and ascended. He said, nobody knows the father except the son and nobody knows the son except the father. Why? Because this relationship was conducted in heaven. It was not conducted on earth. He didn't get to earth to have a relationship with the Father. No, he came from heaven to bring the relationship. So he's letting you know. You don't understand. That's why I tell you, every time you see scripture and you see Jesus say, truly, truly, or verily, verily, he's letting you know this is a spiritual truth. This is how heaven operates. This is how my Father does things. That's why he had the same thing. of am saying, I only do what my Father tells me to do now. You just found out you have a father. So you're not at that point where you do everything that your father asks you to do. That's why you have to learn how to hear your father. Because if you can't hear your father, how can you do what your father wants you to do? If you can't hear your father, how can you see? Because you see in the spirit with your mind, not with your eyes. And this is the thing about that is that, watch this, everything translate from natural to spiritual, all right? The spiritual world has existed way before the natural. And the reason why you have eyes is so you can see. So if you can see in the natural, you can see in the spirit. That's the whole reason I'm giving you eyes. So if you say you can see in the natural, that means you should be able to see in the spiritual. And that's why Jesus told them that they were sinners. He told the Pharisees, y'all sinners. They said, we were not born sinners. We're Jews. He said, okay, Because you can see that, that's what makes you a sinner, because you know the law. (laughs) So just like in the natural, you can hear, right? So you should be able to hear in the spirit. You can speak. You can walk. You can act. You can react. Everything you can do in the physical, you should be able to do in the spiritual. And so that side of it is the new birth. You are born again. You are an infant. Born of God, not of man. And so that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is the adoption. So at all times, you're dealing with the fact that you are immature and you do not understand heaven. You do not understand your father. You do not understand the kingdom. And this is what you need to be learning. But then at the adoption side, you're dealing with all the trauma, the things that have happened to you, the things that you were not even supposed to experience. It's things you were never supposed to experience. And just like in the natural, if both parents are in a house, active, functioning, it's certain things kids never experience. You just never experience. But you remove one of them parents, now you're experiencing things that you shouldn't experience. So now you have a disadvantage in life. And that's what Adam put us at. Adam put us at a disadvantage. When he fell, we became orphans. So now, every time we approach this relationship, this is the two sides of the coin we're dealing with. And the thing about this is, you can only grow in in these two areas in the relationship. So if you never know the Father, never pray to the Father, never worship the Father, never hear about the Father, you never grow. That's why I told you, even in coming into this body, I don't care how long you've been in church, It was religion. So you have to lose religion. In 2010, when we were in Louisiana, on our way up here to Atlanta, he said, forget everything you knew. That was like 10 years into the game. What do you mean? He said, forget everything you knew, and I'm going to reteach it to you. So even being a part of church, because they taught the scripture to you wrong. They taught them wrong. And so, but this growth only happens in the relationship. Y'all got me? It only happens, the relationship only happens in community. It only happens in community. And the reason why is you can stay at home and say that you hear God, but who's developing your ear? And he wants you to submit to people because he wants people to submit to you. Especially if you're a husband, especially if you're a wife. The husband that does not submit to God, the wife does not submit to him. It, it, the wife that does not submit to the husband, the children does not submit to the wife. That's why the Bible says that God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. So there has to be an order. If there's no order in it, then what happens? Chaos. Chaos. And so you come into community to learn, to grow. Y'all with me? (laughs) So now, because things happen in a relationship and they happen in community, we're going to have to deal with this word I'm about to give you guys. And I don't know if you're going to like this word that I'm about to give you, but I got to tell you the word. (sighs) Here you go. Y'all ready? Correction. (laughs) Nobody likes that. Correction is the best thing you can have in your life. It's the best thing you can have in your life. It's somebody correcting you. And so we're going to look at the scriptures in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And it reads, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. A exhortation is an encouragement, all right. A exhortation is a, is instructions. A exhortation is someone speaking to you in a manner in which they're trying to help you grow. He says, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. Verse six, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son that he receives. Now, in this passage of scripture, you have discipline uh, in here multiple times, but it has two different definitions for it. My definitions up there? Okay, you have two definitions, different definitions for it. You have the, the word padia and padua. All right, padia is a system of education or upbringing, and padua is a system of strict training to mature and make you realize your full potential. So when it reads in, in verse, yeah, go, you guys go ahead and take a picture of that, because we're going to, uh, yeah, appreciate that. Take a picture that, you're going to need that. Are right, y'all ready? Okay, when it says, my son, do not, take the Lord's, uh, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, that word discipline is the word padia, which is a system of education and upbringing. So it's saying, do not take your education and your upbringing lightly. Or lose heart when you are reproved by him or corrected. Verse 6 says, for the Lord disciplines, now that is the word padua, which means a system of strict training to mature and make you realize your full potential. So the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and punishes every son he receives. Now that word punishment, it just means whoops, whips, or scourge. It means that he's going to discipline you, mean he don't mind putting that belt on your butt. He don't mind using that rod. He doesn't mind using the things of life to correct you. It is going to happen. It has to happen. Verse 7, it says, endure suffering as discipline, padilla. So endure suffering as, as in a manner where you see this as a system of education or upbringing. So he's saying endure this discipline as if you understand the person who's disciplining you is trying to make you better. Don't look at the discipline and the correction as abuse. And it's hard to do that sometimes. One, because we don't think we're immature. Two, because we have an orphan spirit. And a lot of time when we have an orphan spirit, we hate to be corrected because we think that it's someone belittling us. Correction is not belittling you. Correction is giving you information that you don't have or putting you on a track, a road that's necessary for you to grow. So it says endure suffering. You need to endure suffering. You need to endure chastising. You need to endure someone telling you that you are wrong that you need to grow, that you are selfish, that you are immature, you have to endure that. I should tell my brothers, if somebody somebody tells you that you're stupid, think think to yourself, how often do I read? When you look at how much education, how often you read, then you will see that they might be right. So what's the next step? Read. Take the instructions, take the discipline, and make yourself better. Don't sit in a corner. I don't know what they're talking about. think they're talking to. I'm grown. Tell me what to do. I know. know." Yep, you ain't growing with that. You don't grow doing that. You only grow receiving discipline. Y'all with me? All right. So it said, verse 7, endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? And that's the word Paduo. Which what's, what for what son is there that a father does not discipline it's in he does not create a system of strict training to mature and make him realize his own potential. What father does that? Not our father. No father does that. If a father does that, he's not fathering. If you are not disciplining your child to bring out their full potential, then you are not parenting. Now, when we say father, we're still talking about mothers. When we say sons, we're still talking about daughters, okay? Verse 8, but if you are without discipline, Padilla, which is a system of education and upbringing, which all received, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So, if you refuse to let the father raise you, if you refuse to let the father correct you, he's saying that you are now considered illegitimate or a bastard or a child that is born outside of wedlock. So, he's saying when you refuse to allow me to discipline you, you're acting in a way as if I'm your stepfather. You're not acting like one with the inheritance. When it came down to Abraham, he had uh, Isaac, but before he had Isaac, he had Ishmael. Ishmael could not receive the promise. So he's saying that when you do not come in line with the correction, you are acting more like Ishmael than you are like Isaac. You're acting like a child that can't receive the promise versus a child that will receive the promise. I can't give you the promise if I can't discipline you. If I can't correct you, I can't give you your destiny. You can't force God to give your father to give you your destiny and you won't listen to him. No more than your kids can force you to buy them new Air Jordans, but they won't do nothing that you ask them to do in the house. I remind my kids constantly like, okay, look, you're 13 now, but I'm letting you know I'm tracking your maturity because when you hit 16, you're going to want a car. And I'm looking at how you take care of your room. I'm looking at how you take care of your chores. So that when you want this thing right here, (laughs) and I say no, I'm justified. All I got to do is remind you what happened last chapter. So with that being said, don't be illegitimate. Verse 9. <laughs> Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. A guy told me one day, I was in a counseling session with him, and he grew up with his father, and he went off to the military, and he said when he got into the military, Dre, he called his father back and said, thank you. He said, thank you. After seeing all the men in the military who didn't have a father and how they conducted themselves he called his father back and said thank you thank you for correcting my mind thank you for telling me when i was wrong thank you for whooping my butt furthermore we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them shouldn't shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of Spirits and live. Why is that? Because he has your, your whole destiny in his hand. Your natural father might not even know your destiny, and you respected that beating or whooping. Okay, can't say that. Verse 10, For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, But he, meaning God, our Father, he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. So that we can share in his holiness. It's for our benefit. So, correction is for what? It's for our benefit. So that we can share in his holiness. So, what he's trying to do is this he's trying to make us holy, he's trying to make us just like him because that's what the spirit realm responds to. The spirit realm responds to the character of our Father. Verse 11. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Hallelujah. All right, all right, all right. Later on, however, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Later on, now right now, I don't know where you at right now. It might not feel good, but there's some discipline going on right now, and it might not feel good, but later on, You're going to be happy that you went through this season. You're going to be happy you went through this season. I told you all about my story. You like my Jordans? It was the time I was buying my shoes at Walmart. And people talked about me. I ain't going to say no names. And I endured it. It yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And that's why a lot of us, we have frustrations right now. You have, you feel me? There's a lot of frustration. It is because you're growing, because you're growing. Your body experiences pains as you grow. As you get taller, your knees start hurt, elbows, everything. Why? Because your body is being stretched out. You're growing. Same thing happens with your mind. When you're trying to lose that old man and start thinking like that new man, it is a stretch and it hurts. It does not always feel good till you be told that your thought process is wrong. That you are carnal-minded and you need to be spiritual. But don't I want to hear that? You do not want to hear that. But that's the hard thing that we have to tell you. You're carnal. Your mind is carnal. You think naturally. Now, it says it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, when dealing with correction, all right, correction brings you to a place of humility. Now, the definition of humility is The emptying out of myself so that the Father can be all in me. Okay, what's the definition of humility? Okay, so he wants to empty you out to put greatness there. There's no greatness there yet. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But he's not there yet. He's there in spirit, but he's not there in soul. So right now you are just like him 100%, but your mind is not like him. So we need to marry those two. And so the Bible says when you humble yourself, he'll make you great in the kingdom. So what does that mean? When you're born again, you're not great in the kingdom. So he wants to make, he wants to get you there. But he says what? First you have to empty yourself I don't let me put myself there. He says, if you humble yourself, I'll give you a greater grace to the point where you just you just go out and do things and, and your mistakes turn into blessings. I'll give you a greater grace. But when you try to do things in your own strength, the Bible says when it deals with pride, I resist you. And the difference is, is you running into a hundred mile per hour wind versus being to your back. When the wind is to your back, you can sail. When you're trying to run into it, it's miserable. So you wanna humble yourself, Zay, so that you can fly. You don't wanna be 20 years from now still time that you're gonna be a rapper. Still telling you gonna put out music. You don't wanna be like that. And it happens because of our pride. We don't want to do it his way. He said, Well, I can't help you. When you decide to do it my way, I will help you. All right? If I'm a millionaire, billionaire, whatever you want to call it, and my son wants to do something but he won't take correction, he can go do it by himself, but he can't take my money and do it his way. That's your destiny. You can't take your destiny, his destiny that he has given you, and do it your way. It's just not going to happen. Are y'all growing? And, and, and then he says, if you humble yourself, he said, watch this, I will exalt you. You ain't got to do all the Facebook advertising. I'm going to exalt you. When you open your mouth, I'm going to speak through it. And look, y'all like my teaching? I can't stand to hear me talk. And a lot of times I come here, I do a message, I go home, I feel like crap. The reason why? Because I had this thing in my head how it was supposed to turn out. (laughs) But he knew how it was supposed to turn out. And I'm mad and I'm upset and I'm feeling down because it didn't turn out the way I thought it was. It should have. What's going on there? That's a point of growth. As a pastor, I had to come up here, allow him to use me any way he wanted to use me, and then not even worry about what everybody thinks. Took a while. I'm getting better. So now, humility, correction leads to humility, but humility leads to worship. Because after you have emptied yourself out, now this is when we go into the acronym TRIP in which we do worship, in which we ask the Father, teach me. Remove this impart this and then praise so you worship to be filled you worship for him to for his ways to be imparted back into you so correction leads to humility but humility leads to worship so now our second point is After you understood, no, yeah, second point for today is after you have understood that you have a father, you have accepted that you have a father. Now, when you read the Bible, you need to see yourself in the scriptures, all right? Because you can be born again and read that Bible and never see that you're a child. Since you have been coming here and you have been reading, it looks like a total different book, don't it? It's just like a total different Bible. Just understanding one simple point looks like an entirely different book. Revelation is different. Understanding is different. Confidence in yourself is different. Now that you understand, you have to see yourself in the Scriptures. Proverbs 25 and 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. So your father hides things so you can study them and go get it. You ever did an Easter egg hunt? Now, if we did an Easter egg hunt, you know, for the little kids, you put one like right there. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? You put it where they can see, it's easy to find. But as as they grow and get older, we're not gonna do that for Marcus. You see what I'm saying? We do an Easter egg, huh? We're not putting it right there. We're gonna put it under the stage. You have to dig and go get it. When By the time we get to Zay age, you might have to, this might be an event. You, but it has to be your glory to go get it. So he said the Father hides stuff, He conceals stuff. That's why the Bible says that your life is here with Christ, with God in Christ. It's hid, which means what? You got to study to get it. You got to show up and be taught to get it. That's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God. Your studying approves to the Father that I want what? My destiny. But you don't crack that Bible, you don't get any destiny. And so... You have to do three things. You have to study to be. You have to study to know. And then you have to study to teach. I'm going to say those again. You have to study to be. You have to study to know. And you have to study to teach. Because he conceals things. That's why he said seek. Seek. Ask. Knock. I've hidden things. That's why Jesus, when he was with his disciples, he told them things he talked to them plainly, but when he got with the, um, with the crowd, he only spoke in parables. He said, I'm trying to hide this from them, so seeing they can't see and hearing, they can't hear unless they be converted. I don't want them to see. I'm going to give you a parable. I'm going to tell you the kingdom of God is like yeast. And what you need to do? What do you need to do? Go study yeast. When you study yeast, you will have a better understanding of how the kingdom operates. If he says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, what do you need to do? You need to go study mustard seeds because it's a type in the shadow. It's letting you know how the kingdom operates through a mustard seed. If it says that Jesus is the door, you need to study doors because the thing about the church is, watch this, we come into the door. We're not going through the door. We're at the door singing songs. This is how it looks. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Anyone, he says, you have to come through me to get to the Father. You go through doors. When you go through a door, it's a room. You don't come to the door, don't go through the door and just sit there and sing songs. That's what a church is today. They're just standing in front of the door. They're just standing in front of the door. This is why he says, I have drawn you with love and kindness. So I drew you with love and kindness, but then the Bible says, if you draw near to me, what'll happen? I'll draw near to you. So watch this. You've been born again. I adopted you. But now the next step is gonna be you drawing near to me. Reason why? Because I can't override your will. I can't override your will. I can't make you want something that you don't want. If you don't wanna be a great child, I can't make you do that. I'm not gonna make you do that. But as you draw near to me, what'll happen? he'll draw near to you. So you take one step, he'll take 10. But you have to draw near to him. So you have to study to be, study to know, and then you have to study to teach. Now, in studying to be, we talked about this briefly. But we talked about being a king and being a queen. might want to uh, spout those five steps? Anybody remember? Okay, you have to first, as a man, you have to first be a son. You go from son to a man, from a man to a husband, from a husband to a father, from a father to a king. You have to study how to be. So you have to start studying how to be a son and stop assuming you're a king. We say we kings, we... we We're training to be. That's why Paul came to them and he said, I wish you were kings. I wish you were ruling. You remember the scripture now? All right, when y'all get home, read that, please. He told the Corinthian church because they were gifted. So they thought that they had already arrived because of their gifts. He said, I wish you were already ruling. He said, I'm an apostle and I'm still growing. How are you already there? I'm the one training you. If I'm training you, how are you going to surpass me? I wish you were kings because if you were a king, you could show me something. So that's as a man. As a woman, daughter, woman, wife, mother, leader, queen. You can't skip that process. Naturally or spiritually. So you have to study to be a queen. You have to study to be a king. That's why the scripture says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings or queens to search it out. When you open that Bible, what's your goal? To become a queen, to become a king. That's your goal. But first you need to learn how to be a son. Next, you need to learn how to be a man. Then you need to learn how to be a a, a husband before a father. This is the society we're in. Fathers before sons. They become fathers before they're married. Fathers before men. And this is the dilemma we have, even in a church. We have people who became pastors before they became sons. That's why they want you to serve them. That's what they're talking about, touch not my anointed, do my prophet no harm. And they think he, God was talking about them. Really. The Bible says you are a new creature in Christ. In Christ means the anointed one. So as long as you are in Christ, you are the anointed ones. So he's telling everybody outside of the community, don't touch them, don't do them no harm. But then when you relegate it or you downgrade it to just, it's about the pastor now. You say something about the pastor, God going to kill you. I've been told that. How many of y'all been told that? How many of y'all heard that? How many of y'all grew up in church like that? Come on, y'all. Don't be scared. I ain't got no cameras. (laughs) Touch touch not my anointed. What? (laughs) Mm. All right. Next one is you have to study to know. That's why we're doing the four pillars. You have to know the relationship. You have to know the kingdom. You have to understand church. You have to understand ministry. You have to study to know these things. If you don't know the relationship, you can't get the kingdom. You can't be the church if you don't have the kingdom. Everybody say they're kingdom-minded. Not going to start there. So you have to study to know these things. That's why I introduce you to the four pillars of divine generation teaching. Because you have to know these. And each pillar, we're going to, I don't know if I said this, we're going to divide it up into quarters. So for three months, we're just going to talk about relationships. Now, this won't happen until about year three. Because right now, everything that's going on is the Holy Spirit dealing with you guys to build you. So when the next group come in, and then the group after that. So about three years, what's going to end up happening is every three months, we're going to teach on relationships. Then every three months, we'll teach on the kingdom. Then for three months, we'll teach on the church. Then for three months, we'll teach on ministry. And we'll continue that process every year. Every year. We'll have the same process. Then you have to study to teach. All right. The Bible says he who teaches others teach themselves. That is the best way to learn is to study to teach. Study to teach. Show what you know. The Bible says be prepared to have an answer for the hope that lies within you. Study to show yourself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When you divide something, you break it down to the smallest number. When you teach, you have to break it down to where you can feed an infant. So that means you have to understand it at that level. That's why the Bible says that all you're getting, get knowledge. Huh? What are you talking about? You saying I'm wrong? You correcting your husband in front of everybody? (laughs) In all you're getting, get an understanding. Don't just get a bunch of information. Don't just be quoting scriptures. Have an understanding of that scripture. I can't stand hearing people probably because I'm a teacher. Okay? I can't stand hearing people quote scriptures and, and it's just totally wrong. Just just off. Have an understanding. That's why I'm giving you a foundation so you have something to build your understanding on. Whenever I read a book and I'm reading a book and I'm reading a book and they get to talking about God, they're talking about God, they're talking about God, they're talking about heaven, they're talking about hell and I see... They ain't saying nothing about him being my father. They ain't saying nothing about me being my child. They ain't talking about nothing about him raising me. They ain't talking nothing about me maturing, nothing about the five stages of sonship, but they telling me that I have to do this or heaven and hell is what it is. As soon as I read them books like that, I can take the content. I can chew the meat and throw away the bones. I, no, I want to hear that. You missing it. It has to start with him being our father. If it does not start with him being our father, it is 100% wrong. Y'all with me on that? So now, our next point is, our final point is, you have to understand sanctification. All right? So you've been born again. You heard that you was a child. You accepted that you were a child. Because you are a child, you accepted that you had a father. Because you have a father, now when you read the Bible, you have to see yourself in scriptures. And in reading the scripture, you have to understand the process of sanctification. You have to understand sanctification. All right? You have to understand sanctification. Now, Sanctification is all about us losing Adam and gaining Christ. Sanctification is all about growing in grace. Sanctification is all about coming from being an infant to being an adult. That's the sanctification is the process of becoming holy. Adam was created holy. Jesus arrived holy. You don't get the privilege of doing that. You are born again. Now your mind has to be developed. At the spirit level, you are already holy. When the father sees you, he sees his holy child. When the angels see you, they see holy children. But they also see the maturity level. They also see your level of understanding. So you have to understand sanctification. All right? It deals with... Uh, uh, go, uh, going from glory to glory. Now, sanctification is the effects of consecration. How many of y'all know what consecration is? Go ahead, Ken. Yep. You you have to set yourself aside. You have to remove yourself from the world. You have to come to church. You have to read your Bible. Sanctification is all about you doing that. He already did his part. When you were born again, that was his, him sanctifying you. That's why Hebrews 2 and 11 says, he who sanctifies and those that are sanctified have one father. So he is not ashamed to call you brethren. Jesus said, when I look at Zay, that's my brother. I'm not ashamed to call him brother because he's just like me. The only thing he, the Bible says, as he is right now, so are we in this world. So he said, I'm not ashamed to call him that. But Zay has to understand that I have already been sanctified, meaning I'm already born again. I'm in the family. So you don't have to show up every week trying to get in the family. You have to show up every week trying to get delivered. You're in the family. And he's already pulled you out the orphanage. That was him sanctifying you. He set you apart. How do you know? Because when you walk out there, you see people still in the orphanage. You see people still not being born again. He sanctified you by setting you apart. Now it's your job to sanctify yourself, to set yourself apart, to consecrate yourself. Y'all want some scriptures to prove it? Or y'all just believe me? Y'all need some scriptures? All right. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 5. It says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Can I close? It talked to you by itself. No, now you have to say nothing. You read that. <laughs> this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality or lust. So, sanctification is you consecrating yourself and just wanting what the Father wants for you. Lust is you wanting stuff he says your butt can't have. Verse 4, that each of you know Know. How you going to know? Somebody either have to teach you or you have to study. That you know. Not that I have to keep telling you. Not that mama had to remind you. That you know how to. Do what? Possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor. Because he's already given you his glory. He's already separated you. You're already a child. He's saying you have to learn how to walk like that. You need to know how to possess your vessel as my child. Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. And what does that do? Take us right back to being illegitimate. Gentiles were illegitimate, unbelievers. The Bible called them dogs. A Gentile woman came to Jesus and said, I need my daughter here. He said, it ain't good to give the, the uh, uh, kids' food to the dogs. That's kind of cruel, ain't it? Jesus was a beast. I wonder if Jesus had kids. If Jesus was married, you say, Hey, talk to his mother? Uh, they need you to put turn this water into wine. What does that have to do with me? It ain't my time. You don't talk to your mother like that, do you? I don't know. When you God, son of God. <laughs> Woman, you are beneath me. Not just him. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 13. Now, now, in consecration is to make yourself holy. All right. Consecration is about you purifying your heart and purifying your life. Y'all with me? I'm getting used to this silent thing, y'all see. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, it says, But we ought to thank God always for you, brethren and sister, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification. Now, there's a difference between saved and salvation. Saved is just a rescue from the penalties of sin and death. So being saved is just a rescue is Him resicu- rescuing you from the penalties of sin and death. So once you are born again, you are rescued from that. You have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of His Son. You're saved. Alright? But now, we're talking about salvation. So salvation is more about, yeah, you're in the kingdom, but are you going to get the amenities of it? So you're an orphan. You've been brought out of the orphanage. We brought you into a $10 million house, great parents, and you're still stealing food and hiding it. Why? Because your mind, you have not received sanctification, salvation yet. You're saved. You're no longer in the orphanage. You're no longer going through that stuff. Someone has chosen you, but now you still have an orphan mind. So you at home in your room won't come out cause you wondering when they gonna send you back. And we deal with that stuff all the time in our business. So we had this one girl who was adopted by a family and literally, okay, this girl is walking, is going around just running away, telling the neighbors, they trying to kill me. Ain't none of this stuff happening. Defecating in the shower hiding food for no reason. Why orphan spirit? So the Bible says that he has chosen you for salvation. You have been chosen to receive the inheritance, but it's through what? But it's through what? All right. Make y'all work with me a little bit. But it's through sanctification. Sanctification. It's through you going from an infant to a mature child. As you mature, you get your stuff. If you don't mature, you can be here on earth, coming to church every day, telling God how great he is, reading your Bible, but never get your stuff. Or your inheritance. So because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification, watch this, by the Spirit through belief in truth. That's a whole other message, so I'm not going there. Romans 6 and 19. He says, I am using human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered the parts of yourself as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification." So just the way you took your mind, your heart, your soul, you took your body and you used it for sin, he said, now, the same way you were a slave to sin, which means it just controls you. Y'all remember them days when he just told us what to do, and we just did, it. we didn't ask no questions or nothing. We didn't even fight back. Slap him. Okay. So, now, it says, which results in sanctification. So, what does that mean? As you make yourself a slave to righteousness, you'll grow. How about that? That's why we tell you to practice righteousness. Make yourself a slave to righteousness. Make yourself a slave to righteousness. All right? It's three dimensions of righteousness. The first dimension is God made you right. So you don't have to be trying to get right in his eyes. The second one is God gave you a path, a purpose, a destiny, which is the right path for your life. Take that. Then the third one is practicing righteousness. All this stuff is on the podcast. It's practicing righteousness in which you pray, you fast, you give, you study the word, and you do community. If you make yourself a slave to that, it results in sanctification. You can't miss growth. But if you make yourself a slave to sin, you miss everything He had for you in salvation. You miss your entire inheritance. And I'm going to get mine. So that's why we tell you to practice righteousness. This is why we give you the soul algorithm. This is why we teach about the soul algorithm. Okay? Using the analogy of the mouth, the stomach, And it coming out as waste. Whatever you put in your mouth goes into your stomach. Your stomach breaks it down, gives the nutrients, and the rest comes out as waste. The same way your mind works. Whatever you put in your mind goes through your soul and comes out your heart. That's why the Bible says out of the issue of the heart flows life. Your heart tells what you've been doing with your mind. So if you have not been a slave to righteousness, your heart, the way you feel, the way you think, tells. So we did this whole uh, prelude to um, sonship because we're about to do the five stages of sonship. And we're going to walk through all five stages. So the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to teach on all five stages. Then I'm going to walk through every individual stage. And every level, watch this, is going to require two things, self-evaluation and diligence. Every stage is going to require self-evaluation and diligence. Self-evaluation and diligence. Because the Bible says that we have to do what? Labor to enter into his rest. What is rest? Rest is when you stop doing the work and He and, and, and what happens is you go into autopilot and everything he has for you comes to you. And you can do it in areas. All right? You can do it with finances. That's why we tell you to give. Because you can give, give, give to the point where your finances get on autopilot. That's why we tell you to forgive. If you can't forgive, he can't give you influence. The devil is slick. He's always trying to find a way to disrupt that, that uh, pattern. He's always trying to find a way to sneak in there and, and disrupt you getting what the Father has for you. That is the end game. You want abundant life on autopilot. You want everything that he has for you. And the reason why I'm doing this is for this very reason. The reason why I'm doing this is for this very reason. You have to get your life before you can be effective. It's hard to try to do ministry and you don't have your life. Am I right? It's hard. So I'm teaching like this because I want you to have your life so that it makes ministry easy. It's easy to do ministry when you already, when it's your life. It's hard to do ministry when you have not experienced the very things you're trying to tell somebody to do. It's difficult. That's why I told the father, look, I want to be covered in this, 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 and this, and this area. I did not want us to build a house on church money. Two years from now, we're going to oh, we build a house. Y'all be looking, huh? <laughs> With what? Now, if I did do that, that's nothing wrong because the whole thing about tithes and offering is this. Tithes and offering are for the priest and the temple. The tithes and offering are supposed to take care of my family and this building. If, if something left over, we help. The tithes and offering is not for the congregation. What is it, a loan? Or y'all just giving me the money so I can give it back to you? I'm just telling you, okay? And it's no different than you putting out a, a, a music album, and because of your gift, then you get the money. It's no different than you writing a book, a bestseller, and you collecting the money, right? It's no difference than you taking your business skills and starting a business and collecting money. This is my call. This is what I'm called. This is where I'm supposed to make money from. But we don't take no money. We've given away more money. than We we haven't taken any money out of the church. And we've given more money to the members than we've taken in. And, And what we've taken in is absolutely zero. And we're cool with that because, like I told you, I had the life before I had a ministry. This stuff was all proven to us. We had all this stuff done in our life before we even got a ministry. And that's what I wanted. That was my prayers. I did not want to get in ministry because I had a bishop. And he kept on, you know, the thing that kept on, we got the truth, we got the truth, we got the truth. No truth at all, but we got the truth. And so I asked one day, if we are all the truth, why everybody broke? If we got the truth and they the sinners, why they own everything? I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out too. Okay, don't even worry about it. <laughs> don't even worry about it. I, if you ain't figured it out, why I'm, don't even worry about it. All right, last scripture. Hebrews 3, 12 to 14. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that that there won't be any of you, what? So that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other, encourage each other Daily, while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. For we have become participants. That's why I told you, we don't have a covenant right now with God. Abraham had a covenant with God. Noah had a covenant. I was about to say Moses. <laughs> Noah had a covenant with God. Moses had a covenant with God. David had a covenant with God. The children of Israel had a covenant with God. We do not have a covenant. We are participating in a covenant that he made with himself. said so there's no way you can mess this up but by simply not accepting the covenant. He said, look, I want you to be my children. I want you to come into this family. I got a destiny for you. I got a purpose for you. Everything that you need, you can get in me. Do you accept? That's how the covenant went. The covenant was not like what Abraham said, if you do this, and I'll do that. No. The covenant... States, I am your father, do you want to be my child? Okay, if you want to be my child, this is how the relationship works. We do not want to be like the children of Israel. I Scratch that. We will not be like the children of Israel. It would not take us 40 years to travel somewhere we can get in 11 days. Because why? We got the same habits over and over again. Don't wanna study. Don't wanna pray. Complain. <laughs> Don't wanna fast. You can get there quicker by just doing what? Practicing righteousness. Just go ahead and do it. Or you can roam around in the wilderness He'll take care of you. You'll have the basic necessities. You will not go hungry. You will always have clothes. You will have a car, but you won't get your destiny. Your destiny is bigger than having a car, a house. Your destiny has influence and affluence behind it. He wants you to have wealth. He wants you to have power. He wants you to have authority. That's why it said in verse 14, "For we have become participants in Christ, so whatever He has, we have. That's why He had a ministry to show you what a Son of God looked like on Earth. If it was just about the death, we could have killed him as a baby. If it was just about getting the blood, we could have took that when he was a baby. But it was about more than that. So he says, for we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly, if we hold firmly, if we hold firmly. Until the end, this is it right here, the reality. The natural realm is not your reality. It is no longer your reality. 40 hours a week, punching the clock, that is no longer your reality. Unless that's the career that the Father chose for you. That's not your reality. Get out your reality. Get out of this reality and get into the reality that belongs to you. Bad relationships is not your reality. No confidence, that's not your reality. Your stature in earth, that's not your reality. Amen? So it says, hold firm until the end, the reality that we had at the start. Now, at the start, at the start, the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, what was the father's plan? At the start, he wanted a relationship. He just simply wanted to be your father. We have made this extremely tough, haven't we? We have made this extremely difficult. From the start. Amen.